0: If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us that God may open a door to us for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt, so that you so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Well, in the fall of 2007, my sister went off to college, and she went to Kansas State University to become an architect. And um, I thought my sister was going to get an education. What I didn't realize is that my sister would catch Christianity. And not only did she catch it, she was dead set on making sure I caught it too. And so my sister relentlessly gave herself over the course of the next year in prayer for me. And she would send me letters all the time. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. She put little Bible verses and encouragements in there, but it was really the the, the prayers that made the difference. And um, you know, I was clueless. I had I had no idea she was uh, that dead set on helping me catch Christianity as well. And I, I had different goals for my life. My goals in life were to make a lot of money and attract a lot of women. That was it. Somebody said amen to that in the first service. Don't amen. That's bad goals. <laughs> That's bad goals. God had a different plan for my life. Over the course of the next uh, year, God would change the course of my entire life. If you would have asked me in 2007 if I thought I'd be a pastor, I would have laughed in your face. And I believe in large part, God changed my life because of the power of my sister's prayers. And this series, Bless, is a series where we're looking at the the call of God on our lives and really looking at something in Genesis chapter 12, where where God says to Abraham, I have blessed you to make you a blessing to the nations. And and we're coming to a place of understanding that God said that to Abraham, but he also says that over us, that in Christ, we inherit the promise to Abraham, that God has blessed us to make us a blessing, that, that we are blessed that we might be blessers. And we've got these five things that are this acronym to bless that are just practical things to help us put in place to, to build a life around blessing others instead of just trying to take up all the blessing for ourselves. And these five things begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and story. Today, we're going to couch on begin with prayer. And there's this old saying that goes, talk to God about men before you talk with men about God. And in being a blessing to others, we're specifically talking about being a blessing to those who don't yet know Jesus Christ. But prayer, it's often our last resort. And my goal in this message is to help us see the power of prayer, that it may become first in our lives, not last. That we might look to it first. First before we listen, and before we eat, and before we serve, and before we story. That prayer would not only be first in our lives, but that it would be that we would come back to it again and again and again in our lives, that prayer would be the priority in our lives because prayer is where the power is available to us to truly receive blessing and dispense blessing in our lives. As J.O. Frazier, a famous missionary to China once said, he says, I feel like a businessman who perceives that a certain line of goods pays better than any other in his store and who purposes making it his chief investment in fact, sees an inexhaustible supply and an almost unlimited demand for a profitable article and intends to go for it more than anything else. He says, if I was a businessman and I was making investments, the greatest investment I've ever made where I've seen the greatest return is the investment of prayer. Therefore, I will give prayer my first and my best. I will give it all that I can because it gives me more than anything else does. In a sense, he says, put prayer first and give it your best. And that sounds awesome. And if you've been in church long, you have probably heard a message on prayer. And you know, it's the worst thing is going to church and hearing a message that makes you feel condemned and guilty and like, oh, I know I should do that, but I don't do that. And you've, you've probably been there. You've probably even walked away from a message on prayer and felt inspired that I'm going to go and pray. And you do it for a day, you do it for a week, but then you fall off the bandwagon of prayer. And it's because prayer is hard. Prayer is hard. I mean, especially in a busy life, you know, you're getting degrees, raising kids, building your career, traveling, doing everything that we do. It's hard to build in prayer. And I want to both encourage us today and challenge us. I want to encourage us because prayer has always been hard. I mean, Jesus, on on the night before he was betrayed, he's praying with his disciples and, and he says, guys, I mean, these are the guys, like these are his boys. And he's like, guys, I need you to do something for me. I mean, you know, I've spent the last, I left heaven and came to earth. I spent the last three and a half years living for you, walking with you, building in you. I'm gonna go die for you. I just need a little favor. I just need you to pray for me for a little bit. Just pray for me, pray with, like this is a hard time for me. And the, the disciples are like, Jesus, we got you. We got you. You go, you go pray. We're here. We got you, God. We, we pray. And they're just out. They're, I mean, like, they couldn't even last five minutes. They're out. And Jesus comes back, and he's like, come on, stay with me. And they're, they're out again. And I don't know about you, but that's happened to me. I've fallen asleep in prayer. Not only prayer, uh, I'm ashamed to admit this. Last week, Sunday, it's Mother's Day, right? 8 o'clock at night, talking to my wife mid-conversation on the couch, and I snooze out. I woke up, and I was like, our Father who's in heaven. And I was like, He's still alive, you know? And uh, I fell asleep. The apostle Paul, he understood that it was difficult to pray. I mean, he's the man, right? Like this, this dude wrote more uh, letters in the New Testament than anyone else. He preached to more people than you and I will probably ever meet. Uh, he labored in prayer for the churches. And yet he is constantly reminding himself and the churches to not grow weary in prayer, but continue in prayer because he knows prayer is hard. Prayer is hard. And so I want to encourage us. prayers it's hard for everyone. Look to your neighbor and say, prayer is hard. Prayer is hard. Believe it, it's true. Prayer is hard. And yet he's he's continually encouraging us to fight for prayer because there's something in prayer that's so good that it's worth pressing on in prayer. And so Colossians 4, chapter 2, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Keep going. Don't give up. Press on. Get back in prayer. It's kind of like he's saying, hey, just just keep showing up. Just keep, I know it's hard. I know your flesh doesn't like it. I know you get tired I knew one guy, He to, to make sure that he prayed, because he, he he'd so quickly fall asleep in the mornings when he'd get up to pray. He would stand on the edge of the bathtub and pray there, because he just didn't want to fall. So I was like, bro, you know, if you fall asleep doing that, that's but that's what he did. Paul says, keep showing up in prayer. One of the most important lessons we can learn in life is to show up, right? You can be the most talented person in the world, but if you don't show up for work, you're not going to have a job very long. I went to school with some incredible athletes. I mean, guys that I'm sure I'm sure could have played in the NFL. But they didn't make it because they didn't show up. They had incredible potential, but they didn't fulfill that potential. They didn't fulfill that plan because they just didn't show up. And you you and I, we don't determine God's plan for our life. He determined that before the foundation of the world. But we do determine what we do with the plan that he's given us. If we walk in that plan or not, and half the battle is just showing up. And that's not to condemn us, that is to encourage us, that no matter where you're at, no matter what struggle you're facing, just showing up, there's great power in that. Paul says, look, we can listen and eat and serve and story all day long, but continue steadfastly in prayer that God may open a door for you for the Word. Paul says, if God doesn't open the door, you can't go through it. If God does open the door, no one can shut it. Pray for us that God may open a door for the word. This is why moms pray so much, because moms understand. I mean, moms, their hearts bleed for their kids, and moms understand that although they raise them, they love them, they train them, they teach them about Jesus, they mess up sometimes, but they do their best. Although they did, at the end of the day, it's an only God situation. You can have an incredible parent that has a kid that turns out bad. You could have a terrible parent with a kid that loves the Lord more than most of us. How is that possible? Because it's only God. Only God can change a child's heart. Only God can grip us and bring us into His kingdom. That's why moms pray like crazy for their kids. One of the lessons I've been learning recently is that, uh, in order to get into certain circles of influence or spheres of influence, it's it's much more helpful if someone else opens a door for me than if I just try and press in myself. Uh, I could try and get into a circle of influence for years and not be successful. And uh, just with one introduction, someone could open a door for me that in 30 minutes, I have more access than I did with years of my own labor. And this is why networking is so powerful in the, in the business world, you know, because uh, in networking, someone, you're opening doors for each other and you're making it possible to get in somewhere where someone else couldn't get in. And the apostle Paul, he, he understood this and he understood that uh, God's ability to open doors, that God is the one who has the greatest influence in the human heart, more so than you or I, that, that God has the ability to pry open a human heart or even to pry open an entire people group for his name That than that we can walk through that when we could not have done that ourselves. And so the apostle Paul, he, he says, God, I'm praying that you open doors, but not that, not that my business may be successful, but that the gospel may be successful. God, I pray that you open doors, not that I may increase in my reputation, but that Jesus may increase in his reputation, that his name may be made known throughout the world. And, uh, you know, my daughter, she's 18 months old. I think she's coming, coming up on 18 months old. And uh, she's just tall enough to reach the door handle. Just tall enough. It's the sweetest thing. And she can't turn it yet. She's just tall enough to get a firm grip on it. And so one of the games she loves to play, she loves to play, daddy opens the door in summer, closes the door. So she'll, I'll open the door and showing up and she'll grab the door handle and, <laughs> you know, and pull it shut. And uh, we just do that over and over. I mean, hours on end. She loves the game of daddy opens the door in summer. If I walk out of the bathroom, leave the door open, she's, she's on me. She's, I mean, she's gonna be the one that's like, put the seat down. And, um, <laughs> and so she loves this game of closing the door. And as we've been doing this, God's been speaking to me about being a dad. And he's been speaking to me about the fact that I will have power in my life to open doors for her that she could never open for herself. And then one of, my, one of the, the calls of God on my life as a father is to uh, make a way for her where there wasn't a way, to, to open doors, to give her access, to give her uh, influence in a way that she could not have done for herself, to, make, uh, to, to add grace to her life. And uh, one of the ways that I've been thinking about that is that I want my, the ceiling of my life to be the platform that she stands on, that, that she go further in God and further in her life than I could ever go, because God used me to make a way for her. And Uh, As I've been thinking about that and specifically praying for this sermon, I felt God just speaking to me about his joy for us, that he delights in opening doors for us, that he delights in making a way for us where there was no way, and specifically in regards to blessing others, that God loves to partner with us. And he doesn't need us. He could go bless the world without us. He could just open up heaven and say, This is my son, come to faith in him. And he's doing that in some parts of the world. In some parts of the world, people are having dreams about Jesus that have never heard the gospel, but yet he he loves, he delights in partnering with us that we might be used to be a blessing to the world. Friends, the father in heaven, he loves to open doors for us if only we'll ask. And there may be coworkers or neighbors or friends or family that you know that you've been, that you've been thinking about, that you've been sharing with, that you just, you think, man, it's just impossible. Like they'll never care enough to hear. I'll never be able to bring up Jesus with them or or they'll they'll never change their mind. And God says, just come to me and see what I can do through prayer. He loves to open a door for us. Be encouraged. There's great power in prayer. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be be open. The apostle James, commenting on the story of the prophet Elijah, if you don't know the story of uh, the prophet Elijah, the prophet Elijah, he goes to the king and he says, it's not going to rain. This is an agricultural economy. And so rain is very important. It's, it's the I mean, without rain, the whole economy just falls out from under your feet. And he goes to the king and he says, There's, God says, no rain. And for three years, it doesn't rain. And then God says to Elijah, he says, go to Ahab the king and tell him that there will be rain. Essentially, go and tell him that because he hasn't been trusting in me, there won't be rain, and then go and tell him that, look, I'm the one who sends the blessing. And so the prophet Elijah goes and tells him, God said there's gonna be rain. And so he tells the king this, and you have to understand, to tell the king, hey, the economy's gonna be restored, all is gonna be well. If that doesn't happen, Elijah's a false prophet, he's gonna die, he'll get killed for that. So Elijah goes and tells the king, hey, there'll be rain, and then he climbs up a mountain, and he gets on his knees, and he says he puts his face between his knees, and he prays that God send the rain. And he sends his servant to check. And his servant comes back and he says, sorry, boss, no rain. Second the last, pray, second time. Servant goes, comes back, sorry, boss, no rain. Third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, sorry, boss. I mean, can you imagine me that servant the sixth time? Uh, boss, I know uh, you've been praying a lot, but uh, maybe we should just get out of town, you know? No rain, seventh time. The comes back. There's a little cloud that looks like a man's hand. Elijah says, the blessing of God is coming. Better get down the mountain because the deluge is coming. And there was a deluge of rain. And commenting on this story, the apostle James, he, what he doesn't say is he doesn't say, Elijah, the mighty man of God. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, because Elijah was so awesome at prayer. so not what he says. He says, Elijah, it's incredible to me. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He's a man with a nature like ours. I think we, we need this to sink in. We need it to sink in that, that these biblical characters, you know, we often make them out to be the hero, but, but that's wrong thinking because the Bible says that he was a man with a nature like ours, that he has fears and doubts and struggles and pain, that, that actually he has moments of failure, which we see just after this story, that Jezebel threatens his life and he runs scared. Matter of fact, he's so scared and so depressed, he goes under a tree and he asks God to take his life. He's depressed and suicidal. The mighty man of God. It's, we need it to sink in that they're, they're normal men and women, that they're just like us, that, that our life is no different than theirs. The only difference is the, the power that they accessed in prayer. And I think if we can let that sink in, it will help us. It will... It will One, relieve us of this expectation that for God to use your life, you have to be this giant in faith because actually all of them had weaknesses and failures. But also encourage us to step in and, and get into the stream of what God is doing because he wants to use people just like us. And so Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In the verse just before that, James tells us the key to an effective prayer life. What is the key to an effective prayer life? Here it is, James chapter 1, 16. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. There's two things there, two keys to an effective prayer life. One, you pray as it's working. Prayers can't work if we don't pray them, right? One, we pray. It's just simple, we pray. Not that we have giant, amazing, incredible prayer, but just that we pray. Second, a righteous person, that a righteous person's prayers are powerful in heaven. And, you know, righteousness just means you're right with God, that when you stand before God, He's pleased with you. And you may say, that's great, Dylan, but, you know, my life, I'm not perfect. I fail all the time. I don't know if I'm righteous. Matter of fact, I stand before God, and often I think about just all the things I've done wrong. Like, I just stand there thinking, man, God's never going to answer this prayer because I haven't done da 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 or I've done da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and, and why would He ever answer my prayers? But I got good news for you, Romans 23 to 24. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Say all. All, all have sinned. If you feel like, man, I've messed up, I, 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 don't, I don't measure up to the standard of God. Hey, welcome to the club. We're all there. We've all fallen short. Every single one of us. We're all in the same boat and are justified by his grace as a gift. You know what you can do with a gift? You can't earn it. You can receive it. We're justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you're righteous, which means that you have as much power in your prayer as the prophet Elijah If you are in Christ, you are righteous. Matter of fact, the prophet Elijah, his righteousness was based on his his own faith, his own righteousness. Our righteousness is based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You can't get any more righteous than the people in this room who have their faith in Christ. Friends, we cannot become more righteous. And so that part's taken care of. Point two is taken care of. We're righteous if we're in Christ. And so the only thing we need to have power in our prayer is simply to pray. I keep this little prayer journal. I know it's purple, it looks goofy. you know, I got in college, I was poor, I didn't have money for something nicer. And I've been keeping this for five years, and uh, this has uh, really encouraged me throughout my life in God. I would encourage you to get one of these, because I look back on, it's really emotional for me to look back on the faithfulness of God and answer prayer. And I, I haven't always uh, written in it every day or anything. I just I kind of write things that are really on my heart. And, I want to read you something from July 30th, 2013. This is my first entry in my prayer journal. I prayed, God, prepare Justin, my neighbor at the time, to receive the gospel. That's July 30th, 2013. Uh, Justin was my neighbor at the time, and I prayed for him July 30th, 2013. April 21st, 2014, uh, almost a year later, I lowered my bar. I said, God, bring Justin to a just to a jubilee service this summer. First, it was God save him. Now it's just bring him to a service this summer. That prayer didn't get answered, not the way I expected. Um, he didn't come that summer. A month later, May eighth, two thousand fourteen, I prayed again. God, just just bring him. Just make him attend sometime. I took the, the time stamp off of it. You know, just any time, just bring him. You get kind of desperate sometimes. Lower your bar, you know. And um, Christmas Sunday that year, he came. And the following year, he gave his life to Christ. May 20th, 2016, he went public with his faith in baptism. And um, every Sunday, he sits right there. And uh, he's sitting right there right now. <laughs> and um, every Sunday, he, he's a continual reminder to me of the power of God in prayer. Because Justin will tell you that... <laughs> Justin will tell you that I wasn't perfect, I wasn't... Always bold. I wasn't always, I wasn't always the perfect example of Christ, but, but God had great power at work. Actually, I invited him and he said no. Multiple times. Somebody else invited him and he said yes. God had to send somebody else because I did such a bad job. There's great power available to us in prayer. This is why we start with it. This is why we go back to it. This is why we, we say we're going to live in the place of prayer because that's where the power is made available to us. Last service, um, there was a, a guy in here with his wife and his two kids, and uh, his name's Brian. And I remember, even before I had this journal, I used to write names in the front of my Bible. And I wrote his name in the front of my Bible. And I was meeting with him over breakfast for months on end, and it just seemed like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the needle wasn't moving. And I still remember the day that I was with him at the Central West End Metro Station. He was dropping me off after one of our breakfasts at um, the diner down the street, which is just terrible. I mean, so unhealthy. You might die when you walk out, but it's delicious. And uh, and uh, in the car, he gave his life to Christ, not because I made a great appeal and I was so charismatic and so good, but because there's power available to us in prayer. God tugged on his heart. Friends, I just wanna encourage us today because here, there's there's one hero of the story, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ alone. In my life, those things didn't happen because I did a great job. They happened because God God makes power available to us in prayer. In these next four weeks, we're gonna talk about these four practical things and these practices we can build into our life to build a life of blessing others. But uh, one of the things I just want to say is that we, we shouldn't let these four get disconnected from the first one, that we should never let prayer get disconnected from the practical. These two, they go hand in hand more than anything else you can imagine, prayer and the practical, that uh, if you think about it like spaghetti and sauce, like rice and beans, like peanut butter and jelly, can I get an Amen. Somebody stand up and say, preach it, brother. (laughs) Nobody bold enough? Nobody bold enough? All right, all right, moving on. Don't separate the prayer and the practical. Don't separate my peanut butter and jelly. This is like a bomb and a detonator. When we do these four things, listen, eat, serve, story, the story, our story, and the story of Christ. When we do these things, it's like we're dropping little good news bombs about Jesus everywhere we go. When we pray, it's like we hit the detonator. There's not as much power when you just hit a detonator and you haven't dropped any bombs. There's not as much power when you just do a bunch of bombs, but you never detonate them. The power comes when you join the prayer with the practical prayer and being a faithful witness. They go hand in hand. Even the apostle Paul, he puts them together. I mean, this little passage, it begins with prayer and it ends with a few practical how-to commands. And what I want to do is I just want to take these commands and turn them into prayer points for us that that God may use us in prayer to become the people he's called us to be. First, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Wisdom is fearing God and obeying his commands. Proverbs verse, chapter 1, verse 7 tells us the, the beginning, the foundation of wisdom is the fear of God. Uh, knowledge is knowing things. Wisdom is walking in obedience to God. We need to pray that God give us wise lives and that he, he give us grace to walk in wisdom to, towards those who don't know him yet, that we could be with them, but not of them. That we could be in the world with them, but, not, but that we would actually live lives that are salty and full of light because we're walking with Jesus Christ. We need to pray for wisdom, pray for the best use of time. Often we waste time because we don't have a sense of purpose. We waste time because we're bored. We don't, we're not living with anything. And we need to pray for ourselves that God reveal his purposes to us and that God give us a sense of destiny, that God give us a sense of I am waking up today with great purpose and great calling on my life. We need to pray for divine appointments, that God would send us people who are ready to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. And when he sends them to us, that we have boldness. And you know, one of the great things is all of us struggle with boldness. We all do. So if you're here and you're like, oh man, I'm terrible at this. Everyone's so great. No, we all struggle with boldness. I was at Starbucks just the other day and I'm just, you know, almost shaking like, oh, I want to share with someone, but I don't, you know. And we struggle with boldness, but God will give us grace to be bold. And so we need to pray for boldness. We, we often waste opportunities because we're afraid. We're afraid of what someone might think. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of doing the wrong thing. We need to pray that God give us boldness, that we care more about what he thinks than about what someone else might think. Third, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Pray that you may have the ability to speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth without love is not the truth as it is in Jesus Christ. That's just being someone that no one likes to be around. Being loving without being truthful is not actually being loving. We need to pray that we have grace to speak the truth and love. Pray that God Give us the ability to speak with people in such a way that they not only hear about Jesus, but they experience Jesus through our words and the way we are with them. Finally, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You know, we often think, oh, I just, I don't know enough. I need to know more before I can share my faith. But actually, you know, the woman at the well, Jesus meets with her and she just encounters Jesus. I mean, before this, she is a very non-religious woman. She has had five men she's been with and probably more. And some have been her husband and some haven't. And she's kind of got a life that's a little messed up, a little messy, you know, a little like my life, pretty messy before she encounters Christ. And she encounters him and she says, she goes back to her town and she tells everyone to come meet this man. And says her whole town comes and all these people come to faith in Jesus. She's maybe one of the greatest evangelists in the whole New Testament. And all she did was say, come and see this man who changed my entire life. Friends, brothers, sisters, there's great power in your story. Don't feel like oh, I don't have all the answers. We'll get into this more the last week. But also in the moment, often God gives us things we didn't know we knew. God will give you the ability to say things you didn't know you had the ability to say. And sometimes you may even walk away from a conversation and go, "Is that in there? I hope it's in there, man. I hope it." Ain't. And hey, if it isn't, just go tell them. Hey, sorry, I got that one wrong. But but hey, Jesus just amazing. Um. God will give you what you need to say. Pray for grace to know how to answer each person as we ought. There's great power, great power available to us in prayer. There's great power available to us in prayer. Often, we don't access that power because we don't prioritize it. And I just, in saying that, I know that you could feel condemned. And so I want to just take that off the table. Please don't feel condemned. That's not the point. And actually, condemnation isn't going to help us because the, the foundation of our prayer life is the grace of God, that we're righteous and therefore we have access to Jesus. We should never get condemned that we don't pray, but, but to live with a sense of, no, God has more for me. God wants more for me. And God wants more of a prayer life for us. And, 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 and you could say it like this. You could say that you know, probably all of us in this room, we desire a prayer life, but we don't delight oftentimes in a prayer life. Kind of like working out, you know? We all desire to be really healthy. We don't often delight in being really healthy because that donut is a little more delightful right now than the idea of being healthy. Or that run just does not feel very delightful right now. And so we desire it. We desire to have a great prayer life, but we don't delight in a great prayer life because we don't discipline ourselves for a great prayer life. You know, it's kind of like you desire to be healthy, but you don't delight in being healthy because you know, 99 out of 100 days slamming donuts and sitting on the couch. Not gonna be healthy. And even if you take that one out of 100 days and you're like, I'm gonna run a marathon, you're just gonna feel terrible the next day and still won't be healthy. The discipline is really the, the daily decision to eat healthy, to exercise, to sleep, the daily decision to engage with God in prayer. And often it's the little daily things that are much more powerful than the, the one-time And so, again, don't feel condemned, but consider how could you build discipline into your life to build a life of prayer that you can delight in experiencing a life of prayer. what I wanna do for the next few minutes is I just wanna share with you what I do in my life, not to say this is what you should do, but sometimes it's helpful just to have a practical example. And there's a lot of ways you could build in a life of prayer, but um, the main thing is just that you do it. So what I do is uh, I make a list of people. Actually, this is my list. I make a list, it doesn't have to be fancy, it's a little, you know, legal pad. I make a list of people who I know that don't know Jesus that I'm encountering on a regular basis and maybe update it once a quarter or something. And, and every morning in my morning time, you can do all of this in like 15 minutes a day, maybe even less. Um, I just pick maybe five names and pray for those people by name. And then after I've spent a couple minutes praying for those people, bringing their situation to God and asking God to reveal himself to them and giving me opportunities, I take about 60 seconds And just say, God, is there anything you would speak to me about how to bless these people? And just listen and have a journal or a note card ready and and just write it down, whatever God gives you. It could be to take them a meal or schedule a time to um, just connect with them and listen. How's your life going? Or whatever it may be. Uh, So take 60 seconds, do that. And uh, when your time is over, find a way to build that into your schedule that day or that week. So again, just really practical. It helps me to have a time, a place, and a plan. It helps me if I know every single day I'm praying at this time in this place and kind of with this, you know, I'm gonna kind of follow this sort of plan. And so for me, it's every day when I wake up, make a cup of coffee, I get a banana and I go to my desk and I begin my little daily routine. And it's really simple. I just recite a few verses that I'm trying to memorize. I spend a little bit of time in prayer and I do my daily Bible reading and journaling. That's it. And probably for the last 10 years, I've had some variation of that that I've done most days the past 10 years. I would say it's the foundation of my life. It carries my entire life. It carries my marriage. It carries my work. It carries uh, my life with God. It carries my relationships with those who don't know Christ. It's the foundation of everything. And that's really simple, it doesn't take a long time. Um, I have to put it in my calendar as an appointment. Uh, If it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist, right? And so it's just how I am. Some of you, you're great at just keeping your calendar in your mind. I have to put it, so I have an appointment every day called God. So if you look at my calendar, you're like, man, you know, uh, it helps me. Finally, I would say keeping a prayer journal like this. You could probably find one cooler than this, but uh, keeping a prayer journal. I started this practice about five years ago, and it has just, it's, it's so encouraging to look back on answered prayers. And I'll be honest, there are some prayers in here that did not get answered, that are somewhat devastating. I mean, prayers that it, it is a huge disappointment that these prayers weren't answered, but, um, that, boasts, but that, that encourages me because when there's prayers today that I'm asking for that don't get answered the way I expect them to, um, I look back on this and say, but I see all these ones that God did answer and it encourages me to keep going, to keep pressing on in faith. Oftentimes prayers I didn't think would be answered were answered much later, actually just like Justin's story. Again, this is what I do. That's it. It's so simple. Um, it's what I do to build in this practice of discipline. There's a lot of things you do. Actually, a friend of mine wrote a blog a few weeks ago saying that the way he does it is he gets note cards and he just writes out his prayers. And every morning, he just prays those prayers, just recites those. There's a lot of great ways to do this. The main thing is, you know, like Nike, you just do it. You just do it. You just get uh, the life of prayer. And what I want to say is that you can do this. You can have a life of prayer. You can have a life of prayer that is powerful and effective because You're in Christ Jesus, and because you have access to the throne of grace, you have more power in your prayer than you can imagine. You have the same access to God that the prophet Elijah, who called down rain, had access that power. Begin with prayer, put it first, and keep coming back to it. Friends, prayer is where our power comes from. Prayer opens the windows of heaven that blessing might come down. Prayer opens doors for gospel opportunity. Prayer makes a way where there was no way. I just want you to dream with me for a minute what it would be like if each and every one of us built this into our lives, the habit of daily prayer, the doors that might open for the gospel, the opportunities that we might have, the ability that we would have to bless our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our family, our city with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what I wanna do is I wanna have you stand with me and just lead us in a simple prayer and then focus our attention on God through song.